Hello everyone and welcome to the Investing City Podcast, where the goal is to get better at investing, business, and life. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It really means a lot. Without further ado, enjoy this episode. The following is presented for informational purposes only and is not investment advice. This information must not be relied upon in making any investment decision. Investing City cannot be held responsible for any type of loss incurred by applying any of the information presented. Furthermore, securities discussed in this podcast may be held by Investing City and members thereof. Thank you. Okay, on today's episode of the Investing City podcast, really excited to have Tyler Oakland on. So thanks for being here, Tyler. No problem. Thanks for having me. Sweet. So I just want to jump right in. Just give us the the open door pitch and and why you're excited about it. Yeah. So um, so Open Door is a relatively new company to the market, um, but it's an iBuyer in uh, residential real estate. And so what they do is uh, they sort of offer a digital solution to buy and sell your home. Uh, So as opposed to the traditional experience, which can take upwards of 90 days, has a you know, one in 10 chance of falling through and is widely regarded as one of the most painful experiences that someone goes through in their life. Open Door offers simplicity, certainty, and speed in that transaction and gives a lot of transparency back to the consumer. Uh, so their whole business model is iBuying, the buying and selling of, of residential um, real estate homes in the United States. Um, the reason I'm excited about the company is one, because it's one of the largest markets that I'm aware of in the world that's gone completely undisrupted. Uh, it's a very fragmented model and people don't enjoy it. And so a company coming in and revolutionizing that space and optimizing it with technology was exciting, number one. But then when you look at sort of the deeper culture um, the opportunity that they have to reimagine real estate in the future, it, it's just there's a lot of things uh, about it that are that are really exciting and misunderstood and uh, and that 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 got me excited. That's great. So I would love for you to talk to that culture and and some of uh, the tangible things that you found as you were digging that were really excited you. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that's important to look back on for for open door and understand is it's a very low margin business. Um, so it's like a transaction company. They take five percent fee. Um, when a homeowner sells their home to Open Door, and then Open Door basically makes back that fee when it sells the home to someone else. Um, so they're a transaction company in that regard, but that 5% fee is where their margin is. And so, as you can imagine, it's a very small margin business. And so, as a result of being a very small margin business, Open Door has had to be uh, very frugal, very operationally excellent from day one. And, and I think that's manifested in some pretty creative ways. Um, like for example, they had a salary cap for the first two years, no employee made over $120,000. Um, you know, they've had a centralized operations and, and they've really been focused on identifying um, what I call missionaries rather than mer- mercenaries, people that are passionate about the problem space and really just excited about the concept and the possibility of revolutionizing res- residential real estate. Yeah, I think the the core value of BIPs for breakfast is really interesting of the company, uh, and it says a lot um, exactly like uh, like you were mentioning. So five percent uh, service fee, and is that does that go up and down based on different factors? Like five percent is the base, 
And then how does that work? And then are they trying to consistently uh, increase the amount that they're selling it for? And like how many, how many renovations do they do? And, and just kind of walk us through the business model there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's interesting because the fee has changed a lot uh, since, since the inception of the company. It used to be a fluid fee based on a variety of factors like risk, how old the home is, how fast that market's going. Um, and now it's a fixed flat 5% fee. But when they underwrite, when they offer the home's value to the customer, they're including more of those other aspects like risk and how hot or cold the market is, how fast they think they can sell. Um, and that cost that they've passed on to consumers has uh, contracted sharply over the past few years as their, as their um, automated valuation model has improved. Um, but yeah, so, so in, a, in a down market, for example, in a, in a buyer's market, they might offer a little bit less for a home in order to, to make their, their margin, but they, their long-term contribution profit margin is in the four to 6% range. Gotcha. And going off of that, I think some skeptics would say that, you know, uh, in a very, I mean, since 2020, the real estate market has been on absolute fire and uh, HPA home price appreciation has been um, going crazy. And so even in this environment, open door hasn't been able to, you know, be positive on contribution margin, like very often. Um, and so just, I would love for you to kind of uh, provide a rebuttal to that. Yeah. So, um, so the first thing I guess I'd say is, uh, open door has been contribution margin positive for the past 20 quarters. So five years in a row, they haven't missed a beat when it's come to unit economics, which I think is, is encouraging, but even still their adjusted EBITDA margins were negative, um, pretty much every year up until 2021. Um, but the more important thing to unpack there is, is the argument, which I think is flawed, that somehow a seller's market is good for open doors business. The seller's market is what we had in 2021. It's like, you have a home, you put it on the market, uh, people are promising like they're first born to you and uh, double your asking price. That's a red hot seller's market. Open Door's core product is sell to open door. That's, that's a product that's meant to make selling a home easier. Right? It's a tool for sellers who historically have very little transparency, um, don't have liquidity in their transaction. And so the fact that Open Door was able to 14x revenue in Q4 and grow at the scale that it was, despite it being in a red hot seller's market, that was actually a headwind. Um, and I, I think it really speaks to their product market fit that they were able to do what they did in 2021, despite the headwinds of the seller's market. Yeah, I think that's a, a great point because it's not like, I mean, sure, that it's easier to offload inventory, but to actually get that inventory in the first place at very high prices is is very difficult. And um, just for them to do it at the scale that they've done it is, is very impressive. I guess another uh, kind of bare thesis is that interest rates, you know, are rising. And so they have all this inventory and it'd be harder to offload because demand is slowing. And so I'd love for you to just provide a perspective on that. Yeah. So, um, so open door finances, uh, the vast majority of, of its home purchasing, uh, through debt, through debt financing. And so currently they have access to about 9 billion in, in, uh, uh debt capital. And then they have 2.2 billion in equity capital. Um, and they're holding homes for about 120 days. 
That's like their average, right? So that's three turns of home transactions in a given year. So, uh, you know, you, you take a 1% interest rate rise and you can expect uh, a 30 basis point impairment in their, uh, in their bottom line. So 1% up with interest rates, we might see a 0.3% decline in margins. But again, and Kerry Wheeler, the CFO of Open Door, spoke to this uh, during Q4, or perhaps the investor presentation, I'm not sure, but she said that Open Door will incorporate rises in interest rates to their offers. And the customer won't really feel that because it's 30 basis points. I mean, it's, it, it's, a, very, it's a very small thing, but they're guiding for this narrow set of guideposts. And so interest rates go up. 0.3 will be factored into their fees. So I, I don't expect it to, to materially impact margins or, or growth. Gotcha. And I, I would love for you to talk to Zillow getting out of the market and kind of the differing perspectives on that. Some people thinking that, uh, you know, I buying is dead, Zillow can pull it off versus, you know, maybe this is open doors, special sauce. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it's been an interesting year for iBuying. Um, it, it, just as some historical backstory, I think it's important to, to remember that the current CEO of Zillow, Rich Barton, came back to the company he founded in 2018 to, to serve as CEO, uh, basically to turn Zillow into, into an iBuyer, right? The Zillow 2.0 transformation um, was predicated on his fear that Zillow would be displaced as a marketplace by one of the iBuyers if they didn't leverage themselves into that space. And so three years, billions of dollars, CEO change, um, a lot of really, uh, really nice sound bites about, you know, the future of prop tech and residential real estate. And in Q3, the, the business uh, was shuttered. I think um, there's a lot to speculate on this. What we do know is that uh, Zillow was playing a game called Project Catch-Up. Um, which was uh, an internal project at Zillow where they were trying to catch up with uh, the scale that Opendoor was achieving. And so they continue, continue to make more and more offers on homes at higher and higher prices. And it happened to be at the worst possible time because in Q3 of this past year, uh, HPA started to decline. So it actually became a, a declining environment. Zillow kept paying more and more for homes and were left holding the bag on a lot of inventory. Um, that they paid more than it was worth, uh, which was a problem. I think, uh, you know, by comparison, Open Door didn't seem to have any of those problems, right? They, they had on average, I think about eight and a half percent gross profit margins in the second half of, uh, of 2021. Um, but I do think that they were lower than expected. And I, I almost wonder if Open Door and Zillow were playing like a game of digital chicken and, uh, they were like, come on, keep up if you can. And, and they were willing to take a few points of margin impairment to knock off their closest competitor. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And so have you looked into other competitors? Like what are your thoughts on Redfin's eye buying? It's you know, fairly niche versus offer pad. Are they just subscale? Will they never kind of get to the level of open door? Um, I think those two are, are kind of interesting to talk about. Yeah, totally agree. I, I've, looked, I've looked pretty deeply into all the players in the space. Um, starting with Redfin, I'm a, little worried. I'm a little worried about what Redfin's doing. Um, I'm a lot worried. They're they're currently operating at contribution profits around break even, uh, which is about 400 to 600 basis points lower than it needs to be. Um, 
And similarly about that percentage lower than even Zillow was when Zillow failed. Um, you know, it's, it's a big money losing business and it's currently, you know, the entirety of, of Redfin's revenue growth. Um, it, what, what I've said before is that iBuying is not a side hustle. It's not like a, like a hobby that you do on the weekend. It's, it's all or nothing, right? It's, there's no half measures. You got to be all in uh, to make it possible. And, and not only that, but you have to have been all in from the start, right? Your culture needs to be on point. You can't have, you know, nap pods and soft serve ice cream stations. If you're an eye buyer, you have to be a lean, uh, operationally excellent warrior. Uh, just to survive in the space, because all those bits for breakfast, like you're talking about, if those are being spent on perks and, and things that you traditionally see at a high margin tech or advertising or search company like Zillow or Redfin, you're just not going to be able to compete. Um, because at the end of the day, the lowest cost structure provider is going to be the winner in the space. And so the one that's been able to automate the most uh, technology, the infrastructure that has economies of scale that's the one that's going to survive in a 5% fee marketplace um, with, with an asset as dynamic and heterogeneous as, as housing. Um, so I think Redfin is, their iBuying venture is doomed as is. Um, but OfferPad is doing a little bit better. Uh, they actually were able to secure more contribution profits than Open Door per home sold in 2021. But I think that they're slightly different. Um, OfferPad is more of a home flipper. Than, than open door, right? OfferPad is moving cautiously, moving very slowly. Their underwriting standards are very, very cautious. And so they're finding homes that, um, you know, maybe they, they have the highest conviction that they'll be able to sell the most quickly, or, you know, they'll see, all we need to do is fix this kitchen. We've got a team in place. We fix the kitchen, we turn it. So they're, they're more looking for homes that need a little bit more work and uh, but also that they're sure that they can flip in a reasonable amount of time. And, and it's corresponded to slightly higher gross profit margins. But at the end of the day, they're not investing in technology right now. And my concern is that long-term, they won't be able to scale into the opportunity that Opendoor is because they're sacrificing pretty quarters today for the market opportunity tomorrow. And yeah, I think that's a great point. I would love for you to talk about uh, the end state. Like in 10 years, what do you think based on the current trends, uh, like the actual real estate market looks like? And, you know, how do you actually go about buying and selling a home? Is it really going to change? Like, okay, I buying is what, like one or one, one or 2% maybe of the all transactions. Like, what does that look like with upper limits? Just kind of go crazy to talk about the end state uh, in the <laughs> ideal world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is a great question. Um, and this, this is kind of what gets me excited about open door in general. But, but when you look at the traditional experience and um, just as by way of anecdote, I was just in Nashville, uh, came home this morning um, I'm going to be going to Nashville next year. And we were actually in Nashville the past week looking for homes. Um, and as you know, it's a, it's a seller's market right now. And so as a buyer, we, we went into it super excited. We're like, we're going to find our dream home. It's going to be perfect. Within about eight hours of our day, we were like, I think we should just rent. This is miserable. Um, the pitying looks from, from home builders and realtors about... <laughs> Like you should just live here for a year and then break your lease if you find something maybe, but we haven't been able to find anything for us and 
It's, it's, it was miserable, right? There were no tools. And, and, and even if, even when we were using Zillow, they'd say there's, there's eight homes available on this, in this neighborhood, none of them are available, right? And so it's, it's a miserable experience, even when you incorporate some of the search um, options that, uh, that some of the real estate tech companies have been able to, to give us. Um, so that's like the current state, right? Both the buyer system and the seller system is broken. And not only that, but it's the, it's the biggest asset of our lives. Um, and so it should be good. My vision for 10 years from now is that if you want to, any home in the United States can be bought and sold with a tap of a button, e-commerce style, uh, frictionless as possible. And not only that, but bundling will be a superpower for any of the companies that have survived and been able to assimilate the infrastructure needed um, in the real estate space. So it won't just be buying and selling a home, but it would be like, oh, I want this home. Give me, pre-approve me for an all-cash offer. I make the offer on the house. Handle title and escrow, one tap. Mortgage, pre-approved, I got my mortgage. Um, and, and not only that, but once you're moved in, there's all these other ancillary opportunities in the home, right? So like smart, smart home technology, security and access, handyman as a service, cleaning, pool maintenance, all these little things about owning a home are going to be housed in one app. Um, and it can be like a subscription service like Prime. Yeah, really interesting. I think one thing that another bear thesis is that, you know, people only buy or sell a home like very infrequently, like one every once every 20 years or something. And so the recurring nature is pretty tough. And so they're having to plow sales and marketing dollars in, but you know, there's not really a recurring nature like Amazon people are ordering every single day. So I I'd just be interested in your perspective on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, I think uh, based on my research, the average American homeowner buys and sells a home or moves to a new home roughly every seven to eight years. Um, so that's like the traditional home commerce cycle, if you will. Um, and currently, Open Doors model is a one-off infrequent transaction, like you said. If your business is this like low margin, like what a, what a crappy business. You have this low margin transaction that happens once every eight years. And even if you delight your customer, they won't come back to you for seven to eight years. And so where's the margin? Like, why is this an appealing business? And that goes back to one of the concepts I, I wrote about recently, which was this open door home concept, which is where, as opposed to this being a one-off transaction, you're actually able to maintain a relationship with a customer for decades, um, which would be really powerful. But what does that look like? And, and so one of the things that I talked about was this concept of home services. and so home renovation, we already talked about some of them, but in addition, things like home renovation, HVAC, you know, if Open Door owned your home at some point, it can tell you, oh, you need a new roof and it can, you know, push those into the app as needed. Um, but all these different, all these different home maintenance verticals that can be added into the, the app, I think would provide for not just a one-off transaction, but then all these ancillary subscription services over many years. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a really interesting strategy where it's almost like I buying is not a, not a loss leader, but it's just like this break even thing that gets people into this giant database where then you can push all of these ancillary services that are super high margin. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's a it's a really interesting model. It's like milk. 
<laughs> like milk. Say more. <laughs> like milk is a loss leader at a grocery oh, store, gotcha. right? Like it gets people right. into the store, but then all the other high margin novelty items are what, like they're losing money on, on milk, but they'll make money on all the other things that you stop there for. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, so I think it would be interesting to talk, like Eric Wu has talked about this, right? Like phase one is sell to open door. Phase two is buy with open doors. Phase three is uh, live with open door. And I think, what do you, what do you think is the biggest bottleneck for like the fact that currently it's not a very seamless e-commerce process? Like it's getting much better with selling to open door, but what about the buying piece? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it almost speaks to, to, to how fast open door is moving that in 2021, they actually launched two buyer products because they, they weren't, they were just planning to focus on the seller ecosystem, but because it was such a seller's market, they launched open door back offers and open door complete, which is the entire integrated process of buying and selling a home in, in one space. Um, but I think, I think that they're going to continue to scale that rapidly. Um, and the reason that's so exciting is because the, the actual prospect of buy with open door is sort of infinitely scalable. It's not like sell with open door where you have to hold all these homes in your balance sheet. If you're just buying for a customer, one, they love you because suddenly they've got an all cash offer. It's like being a millionaire with a tap of a button, right? So consumers love that experience. Um, but also there's a guarantee that the customer will own that home. And so open door doesn't have to hold it. They're not responsible for the cost. The customer is. And so it as a consequence of having a massive balance sheet, it's much easier for open door to scale the buyer ecosystem. But the other thing that's important is that all those ancillary FinTech verticals like mortgage, title and escrow, home insurance, warranty, all of those things uh, are really difficult to attach on the seller side, right? If you're selling me your home, you don't need a mortgage, right? Whereas if you're buying a home, maybe you do need a mortgage. And so it's much easier to attach those on the buyer side. And so as Open Door is increasingly able to monetize the buyer side, I think we're going to see margins kick up uh, in an impressive way. And to be honest, right now, the buyer side is a very, very small proportion of their business by revenue and by gross profit. Interesting. Do you know off the top of your head by revenue, uh, like how big it is? I think in Q, it was either Q3 or Q2 that they're um, buy with open door was, or their buyer ecosystem was a 1 billion, um, uh, revenue run rate. Uh, so yeah, sure. it's, it's scaling very rapidly because that was actually a 2021 project product. Um, but just to give you an idea, I mean, they did 8 billion in, in revenue. Um, so maybe it was 500, 700 million in 2021. Okay. That's super helpful. Um, so, one thing that I'm really curious about is you said the ideal state one click e-commerce experience is, is really the end goal. Like as open door talked about a marketplace model. Cause I think everybody has talked about, okay, I buying is like this first phase of maybe like a, a marketplace model where it's just like Amazon. People are selling a home, you can buy it. And there's no, you know, middleman open door is just a platform takes very small transaction fee versus, you know, realtors taking 6%. And um, so, you know, what does that marketplace look like? And, and are they very intentional about, you know, we're headed that direction? Yeah, yeah. So Eric Wu has been very clear that his plan is for Open Door to become a marketplace model and, and the seeds are planted. They're working, they're working towards that. The problem, the problem that a company like Open Door faces is they don't dominate search. 
right? There are always going to be laggards in search to Zillow and Redfin who have marketplace models. And so they have to come at it from a different way. Um, and I think what they're trying to use is having exclusive inventory that they actually own to make that happen. And so they recently launched this concept called open door exclusives, which are homes that they own that they think are going to do really well, that, uh, that they'll release, you know, to people who have the open door app, they'll release as an option for people to buy before they actually hit the open market. That's open door exclusives. And the caveat there is that you can't use a realtor um, or an offline professional, uh, you know, to negotiate or be involved in the process. And so it's higher margin for open door because it doesn't have to pay the, the realtors, um, but also it's aggregating demand. And, and that's, that's one piece, but as they continue to purchase more and more homes, when they have maybe in the order of, you know, 50 to 100,000 homes on the balance sheet at any given time, I think it'll be much easier for them to aggregate um, by aggregating that supply, now they've got the demand as well and they can build a marketplace. I think that's really interesting because, you know, homes are, it makes me kind of think of Airbnb, like, um, you know, a home in an exotic location is a very unique piece of supply. And a home can be like that as well versus something on Amazon can be just like a commodity product that you can get from anywhere. So I think, you know, leaning into that is actually really interesting. So that's cool. Um, so, just talk to like, what are some of the risks that uh, like you are, are personally really worried about with Open Door? Yeah, so I, I see a lot of I, I see a lot of headwinds for Open Door, and frankly, there's quite a few. Um, but at the same time, I, I think that they're they're often called thesis killers. They're often referred to as like the reason that Open Door will fail. And and I, I've said this previously, but I think it's really important to be clear-eyed about your investments and. And you should be the most critical about the potential risk factors facing the company. Um, so, so for me, I, I think like there are there are mortal risks, and then there are also evolutionary risks, right? So, the mortal risks to Open Door would be like ironclad regulation. They can't price housing. Um, they get stuck holding the bag like Zillow did, and they have to take inventory impairments um, that would devastate a quarter. A black swan event and. Uh, Open Door actually, in fact, isn't able to predict fast enough or throw leverage into the right markets. These are all things that I worry about, but I, I also am monitoring. Um, I, I can see them going, going both ways. There's not, there's not one thing that I, I'm sort of like, this is going to fail. Um, and it all sort of goes back to the concept of product market fit. And I, I just don't think that there's another company right now that has the product market fit that Open Door does. And it's, it's not even necessarily how good their product is, which is, it's great, right? I think a big component of it is just how broken the traditional experience is and how, how hard it's been perceived by tech companies in the past. And, and consequently, they haven't tried to optimize it or haven't tried to optimize it in the hard ways uh, where the pain points are most dense. And that's the transaction. And so when you combine a spectacular product with, you know, the traditional alternative being so weak, it's really hard for me to see Open Door doing anything but to continue to grow into this hockey stick uh, growth curve that we're, that we're just starting to see in 2021. Yeah, you know, it was, it was really interesting when Zillow announced that they're getting out of iBuying. And one of the reasons the management team gave was that the market was too small. Like it was, it was too niche of a thing. 
And that just struck me as really interesting. They, I mean, maybe, I mean, it's kind of what they have to say, right? Like they spend all this time and then, okay, how do we, how do we get out of this market gracefully? But I, I just thought that like, I guess the question is, what do you think is the upper limit of I buying? Like, is there not an upper limit? Um, Cause people, I think the, the main narrative right now is that I buying is a very niche thing just for convenience. If you need to sell your home really quickly, um, but will this kind of be the, the default that people go to when they try to sell and buy a home? Yeah, that's a great question. I, it's really hard to know, um, you know, if, if this is going to be the way the majority of, of uh, American homeowners transact in the future. I will say, I don't think it would be unreasonable if the majority of American homeowners started the process with an open door offer. Um, and I, honestly, I think I think everyone should, right? Like it's totally free. You get you get a an objective Kelly Blue Book value on your home. You don't have to take it, right? Um, but you can use that as information. Knowledge is power, especially in residential real estate. Holy cow! What a what a challenging environment to to navigate. Um, and so I, I think I think most consumers will start with an open door offer. But in terms of market share that open door itself will have. I've, I've talked about 20 to 25% um, market share. And I think that's very reasonable for the solution that they're providing. Um, the other thing I'd say is that selling to open door maybe will not have the same density as buy with open door. Um, power buying or the process of buying with, with an iBuyer is, like I said, infinitely scalable. And so if you've got a big enough balance sheet, it's a really great way to make consumers happy and get them into your ecosystem in a, in a high margin manner. Gotcha. What would it look like for that to be infinitely scalable? Because the way I see it right now is they have to, you know, really utilize sell with open door so they can get all this inventory. Would they be able to, um, like use you, like as a consumer, would you be able to buy with open door, um, like a non-open door listing? Yes. Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, so you can buy, you can buy a home from open door, which is different from an open door backed offer. An open door backed offer is like, you know, you walking into um, Palo Alto and you saying, I want this house, um, but I don't have a million dollars of cash. And that's what I'm competing with. Open door will say, okay, we'll give you a million dollars. Um, as long as you can prove that you can, you know, pay it back over a reasonable period of time. It's, it's less so much about, um, do you have the money and more, let me put this cash in your pocket right now, like being a wealthy uncle or something like that. Let me put this money in your bank account right now and so that you can get the home of your dreams and then we'll figure it out on the back end. But it's, it's a free service. Okay, so open door backed offers. And are they actually just offloading that mortgage to a third party or they have those mortgages on the balance sheet? Yeah, so they they do originate more mortgages. Um, actually, in 2021, they acquired a company called Red Door, um, which you know they had an interaction with the company and said it was delightful. It's like a 60 second uh, mortgage qualification. And so, in the first half of, of this year, they're actually working on integrating Red Door and its capabilities into all of its markets. Um, and that's that's going back to, to what I was talking about. Like we saw. I think six and a half percent contribution profit margins in 2021 with almost zero contribution from these high margin ancillary services in 2022 and 
latter half and beyond, we're going to see a big uplift in margin, I think, as a consequence of having all of these ancillary services like mortgage mortgages attached. Gotcha. So the main way that they're making money with the infinitely buying like a buy with open door is just like a, a mortgage originator. It was so mortgage orig origination, title and escrow um, are both, uh, yeah, really, really powerful um, products in high margin. Gotcha. Super interesting. So are there, I'm, kind of the last question is, what would be something that you would see and then it would kind of cause you to change your mind about this market? Or is it, is it pretty inevitable? Um, oh, no, I'm, I'm, like I said, I got to be clear eyed about this. Um, it, it is my largest holding. Um, but, but I, I'm, I'm always very critical. I, I want, I want open door to be perfect and I know they want to be perfect and not every quarter is perfect, but I think they're doing an incredible job. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think if we, if we just saw contribution margins compress to the point where, you know, they're not going up and there's no uplift despite HPA and peers are doing better, that would be like, what's, what's going on. I, I'd really want to know about that. Um, like that would bum me out and I, I'd be like, you know, what am I missing? On the other hand, there's one thing that open door could do that I think would sharply improve the investment thesis. Um, but it's hard. It's hard, like solving for, uh, logistics hard, like when Amazon built fulfillment centers hard. Um, and that's if open door can solve for moving. So the actual act of packing up belongings and transporting them, if they can build the infrastructure for that and use bundling, like I said, as a superpower. So say like, oh, you got your mortgage through Open Door, you can move for free as, you know, and, and you can pick your moving moving date. It's a white glove service. You, you know, you have it delivered, your movers put it, put it in your house. If Open Door can solve for that, um, I think, the activation energy of the actual move will depress to a point where not only will people love the, the product, right? Which is super powerful, right? Who needs a marketing campaign if you've got evangelists for customers? But the other thing is it actually feeds Open Door's flywheel in a dramatic way because by lowering the activation energy, people move more frequently, right? People who said, oh, I can't move. I don't have the money. I don't have the time or the convenience. Suddenly it's like, no, no, you can do this in tap of a button from your couch, right? You can keep watching Netflix, um, but you can, you can schedule your move and you can go wherever, where, wherever it is that you want. It's a uniquely challenging problem to solve for moving because it's, it's atoms and bits um, as opposed to just being moving bits around the internet. But that's what iBuying is. And so I think Open Door is uniquely positioned to capitalize on this opportunity. But if they could solve for that, that would, that would be like, a, this is a home run, uh, you know, every day of the week, twice on Sundays. <laughs> really interesting. So has management talked about this moving idea and unlocking the, the liquidity, basically? So there's been a, there have been a few hints that this is something that they're considering. I, I, don't, I don't think it'll be a near-term thing because focus is, is critical. And you know, not only are they scaling rapidly, but they also have to work on the buyer side, enter new markets, um, and manage, uh, manage a public persona, um, public market persona. Um, but, I, but there are a few, few moments that Eric Wu, the CEO, has, has mentioned this. So at a, at a PropTech Insight Summit, um, I believe he was asked the question of like, which, 
which adjacent companies does he admire the most? And one of the companies he mentioned was Clutter, which is um, uh, a very steeply valued, uh, I think SoftBank backed private moving company, but they're, they're vertically integrating the moving process. They also, I think, do pods and storage. Um, but the more that I sort of dug into that as a strategic acquisition, the more it makes sense, right? It's like, it's like the, you're reducing the friction with this buying and selling process, but there is still one part that is very, very logistically, spiritually, emotionally challenging. And that's the actual physical part, part of moving. If you can bundle that into, into the offering, that's magic. That would be really interesting. But I feel like the, the public-private kind of offset with valuations make that a little bit tough these days. I do not want them to acquire Clutter. <laughs> it would be, so what, what they did in 2021 is they basically acquired talent with all their acquisitions. They acquired Wildfire Pro, Skylight, um, and Red Door. And all of those were like, you know, 20 million or less companies. Um, and they were all sunsetted and just the teams were brought on so that they had that talent and expertise, which goes back to their culture of frugality, right? They're not buying bloated companies. They, they can't do that. They're just buying what's absolutely necessary. I'd like to see them do that with moving. I would not want them to, to spend a billion, two billion on acquiring a, a like low revenue, uh, four years away from profitability company that's in the private markets. Definitely. I, yeah, I, uh, I remember listening to an interview with Eric Wu and he's talking about how they brought in Amazon executives and uh, just really trying to get that cost structure. And I think you're, you're dead on. The lowest cost structure will win and the consumer experience is, you know, way better than the traditional way. It's just kind of, if they can, you know, make it through, you know, get to constant <laughs> profitability. Um, and, you know, the, the market is, is so variable um, but it's also been like a, an all-time difficult time to, you know, buy all these homes. And so the fact that they are, you know, nearing uh, profitability, even if this really, really tough time is interesting. Um, so I, I think, you know, looking at Open Door as like this market maker rather than a home flipper is kind of an interesting analogy. Would you talk to that just a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I, a lot of people, a lot of people refer to Open Door as a home flipper, um, and there, I've gotten into my fair share of semantic fights on on Twitter over this, uh, admittedly. But but just plain and simple, I think a home flipper. I think we buy ugly houses, right? It's someone who's buying a distressed asset for a low price who wants to fix up the asset and sell it for higher, right? The way that they make money is by buying low and selling high. That is not. Open Door's model. Open Door is a transaction company, so it shouldn't matter, uh, you know, how much they buy and sell a home for. They make all their money in a fee, and and so the reason that's important is because the incentives are different. They're they're trying to create a frictionless experience because they want more transactions, and so that's that's very different than than a home flipper, for example. Um, and one of the ways that this this comes in handy is like going back to our conversation about a down market. Um, or an up market, right? We're in an up market now. In a down market, their service becomes much, much more valuable because people need liquidity. There's no options to them, right? They can put their home on the, on the, uh, the public market and just watch it depreciate every day for months and months, or they can have the equity in their back pocket that day from Open Door. And so not saying that Open Door would raise fees, 
but the value proposition would be much crisper in that in that kind of environment. And that's that's where you start getting into this market maker sort of sort of situation. Um, the difference that we might see with like a, a company like Robinhood or, or Citadel, right? Payment for order flow. The spread is the spread is important, but it's not critical for Open Doors business. They're guiding for a specific guidepost, so maybe 200 basis points um, is what they want to hit when they're reselling their home, so that they're in the six to seven percent uh, gross profit range. But but overall, I, I mean, I think it's important to think of them as a transaction company that's providing liquidity. Yeah, that's super helpful. Um, so I really appreciate your time. Is there any other things that you want to talk about or anything that we missed? I had a great time chatting with you, man. I hope we, I hope we get to talk again at some point. I really appreciate you having me on. I love talking about finance um, and I don't get to do it too frequently. So, so thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. You, uh, you crushed it and really amazing stuff. So um, thanks, Tyler. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Investing City podcast. If you didn't already know, here at Investing City, we also run an investment research service. Our flagship offering, the Dynasty membership, includes all the resources you need to save time and boost your returns in the market. We provide a real money portfolio layered with weekly research, a community forum on Slack, and databases covering hundreds of companies. You can check it out at our website, investingcity.org. Thanks so much, and have a good one.